Welcome to the Everyman Sports Podcast, the show for fans, by fans. No former pros, no so-called experts, just real passionate fans. From outside on a porch to inside a living room, in the parking lot of a stadium to the dining room table, friends and families chat about their teams, their games, and what makes them cheer. This is Everyman Sports. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everyman Sports. My name is Chad. I'm the owner-operator of this podcast. Our number is 626-427-7678. That's 626-427-7678. And you can find us across social media at Everyman Sports. Uh, it has been about a month since the last time I uh, uh, we had an episode. Um, it is me this time. Uh, a lot of busyness in life. Um, uh, Post-Super Bowl... Sort of lull, but now it kind of picked up, and I wanted to start off with what it's really picking up with, which is uh, baseball. When last we when last we spoke, um, Harper and Machado still hadn't been signed, and then Machado got signed by the Padres. Good move for them. Uh, same way, something like when Jason Worth signed with the Nationals. Not to compare Machado with Worth, because Machado's a better player, especially in his prime, than Worth is or ever was, but that it showed other players, other agents, everybody that we are willing to spend money because we feel very strongly we are in a position for the next couple of years because they have uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who is uh, an unbelievable... There are some really good young players coming up. The three that, if you have not yet heard of, you will be hearing of... Um, as the future uh, in Major League Baseball is uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vlad Guerrero Jr. in um, uh, Toronto, um, Fernando Tatis Jr., and also uh, Luis Urias, who and both of those last two names, uh, Urias and Tatis, are both uh, infielders with the. Uh, with the aforementioned San Diego Padres. So Machado going there is, first of all, that's, uh, I mean, that infield is set for the next know, 10 years or so pretty much. Um, but look, the Padres are not going to immediately compete. I mean, their their pitching staff is pr- still pretty woeful, but this puts them in position offensively. And even just in terms of, free agents, uh, you know, future deals. People are going to want to go there now because this is a really good-looking, young, um, and offensively talented team is the Padres. So he he signed, Machado did, and then uh, Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies, as we already know, um, for <laughs> 13 years, um and you know pretty much around what he was asking for he was asking for 10 million 350 he got a uh, 13 years and i think 360 actually which worked out better deal for the phillies because the idea is while they spent stupidly like they said it, it was still a little reined in but where it's really going to come in and mark my words they will sign mike trout i know the angels are toying with the idea of giving or offering Trout an extension prior to him hitting the free agency market. 
of something around there, 10, 10 years, 300 million. But I, the draw of him coming back home, playing with his childhood, you know, his, his childhood team in his neighborhood. He's from originally from South Jersey, which is practically Philly anyway. I mean, this is a guy who has season tickets, uh, field level, not even field level in those like fancy seats behind the end zone at uh, Lincoln Financial Field for the Eagles. He's coming back. He's coming here. He's coming, I shouldn't say here. He's coming to Philly. He's not going to stay in L.A. You know, he's second banana. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, ever since he came to league, he could have very likely won every MVP. You know, a couple here, a couple there. He didn't, mainly because he's surrounded by, you know, by aging superstars or underperforming players. I mean, right now he's batting second in front of Justin. Uh, he's going to be batting second in front of Justin Upton and, uh, you know, an almost 40-year-old Albert Pujols. It's it's not working out for him out there. He's getting lost in the shuffle, especially because, first of all, that is a Dodger town. And second of all, the Dodgers are very successful. You know, it, it's just not going to work out for him there, no matter how much they offer him, because their pitching is really not very good. It's it's okay. It's serviceable. But, I mean, this is a third-place team with Trout. It's pretty much going to be a third-place team without Trout. So why go there when there's somebody across the country who who made it so the Phillies can still spend money to pay Trout? You know what? Tw- an average a year, an annual average salary for Harper is like twenty six. That's not even the most. That's not even the highest. So in in Major League Baseball now, in Major League Baseball history, so there's still plenty of money for Trout, and he's he's coming. I I absolutely think he will in about I think a two year twenty twenty. I think is when he's he's available to come. So that's that's my perspective on it. Um, and but there's still several. I mean, those are the two top the top two names that have signed. But there's still Dallas Keuchel, you know, a former Cy Young Award winner of of less than three years ago, I think. Uh, there's Gio Gonzalez. After that, it takes a bit of a dip. But I mean, I mean, there's enough there. There's enough there for him to. There's enough talent out there if anybody wants it. Uh, and of course, the uh, the rule changes that are coming down in the next two years, um, some that are good. I, I'm totally fine with the one trade deadline in July. Make it kind of ramps it up, makes it, and it at it forces. Now look, ever since the um, play in wild card game, the extra wild card, you know, a lot of more teams have been going for it. But now this this makes an opportunity for your local team to come in and go for it a little bit earlier, not waiting for August, not you know waiting for them to you know run off uh, you know ten straight wins in early August, and then you know oh we can get somebody at the August uh, waiver deadline because remember the whole thing was. The July one is the July 31st trade deadline. That's for non-waiver. Um, and then the August 31st was for 
uh, a waiver. So if you, you know, you want to get traded, you have to pass through waivers. Anybody can claim you, and then, you know, they try to work out a deal that way. But if you, it it just didn't make sense. I mean, just explaining it right now, it, it's too confusing. So you keep it at one. I like a million dollars for a home run derby winner. That's a great idea. I'm actually okay with the all-star voting, um, doing it in like rounds. Um, I mean, they do that now pretty much with all the other voting. You know, that's why they, you know, the NFL has a, an, uh, an award show because you hear the top three nominees, you know, who are, who had the top three vote getters. And then they just say, oh, these are the nominees that are at the top. And then you have to figure out which one it is. Although it's pretty simple. They do that um, pretty much the same with um, some of the MLB voting. Like they release the full voting, but everybody can kind of figure out if you, because with the um, Cy Young Award winners and the MVP and the Cy Young and the Manager of the Year, they let you know, oh, these are the top three vote getters. Guess which one is number one. So it just makes sense that the All-Star is going to do that. Just go rounds. Okay, oh, these are the top three vote-getters at this position. And so now you're going to, you the fans get to vote here. Or, you know, double up your vote. Whatever it's going to be. I'm not a big fan of the three batter minimum. I understand it's to speed up the game. There's a lot of other ways you can speed up the game. And, and quite frankly, sometimes the game is not meant to necessarily be sped up. Remember, this is a game without a clock. It's always been a game without a clock. And I'm not just talking about the pitching clock where, you know, the pitcher has 20 seconds to throw a second pitch. Like, anybody, I don't, it, it takes away the strategy of the game. Like, all that other stuff, that's interesting, but the strategy of the game, you're trying to win the game. If this makes sense, if you bring up the in this pitcher right now and this makes sense to get this one out, fine. That's how it has to be. What I do think is that when you're watching the game at home, what you need to do is just what the NFL is doing right now with that, you know, the early in the first quarter, you know, television timeout where they just drop the game or, you know, the sideline photo or video off into the corner. And then you've got the commercial in the other corner. They need to do that with these pitching changes. Have the game still there so it doesn't so you you kind of get a sense of what's going on. Throw an interview if you want, you know, going on. If you want to throw it back to the studio for a few seconds. All that stuff. Um also there's going to be a a 26 uh man 26 man roster. I'm cool with that too. I I that I like. It's just that three batter minimum. That's, no, I, I don't like that personally. I don't. You know, look, it, you're not going to necessarily, baseball is not a game for television. It just isn't. It's a game to be watched, to be played. And by watched, I mean being there in the stands, being there with other people. But if you're just at home, by yourself watching it or with another person, you're doing a thousand other things because it's a passive game. You're not on the edge of your seat. Even if it's a uh, a no-hitter or there's some sort of historical feat going on, it takes two-thirds of the game, way through the game for you to realize that. Oh, wait, it, there's a no-hitter going on. 
It's the sixth inning. I just realized there's a perfect game. Oh, hey, he hit two home runs in his previous at-bat. You know, now if he just hits two more, he's got four in a game. Stuff like that. You don't realize it's happening. So that's the nature of the game. You can't turn a passive game into an aggressive game like baseball. It's just not going to happen. So, but there's, hey, look, it's going to happen. It's just like with the Hall of Fame voting. Like, we can debate until the cows come home that somebody should or should not be in the Hall of Fame. If they're in the Hall of Fame, the the discussion is over. That's it. That's all that's left there. Um, now, with going back to Harper, going to the Phillies, this National League East is absolutely stacked. And I would even venture to say it's the best division in all of baseball. And that's including a terrible Marlins team that gave up J, uh, JT Real Muto, who was another you know name, another player that was you know rumored to be moved forever and he went to the Phillies the Phillies lineup is scary um Cesar Hernandez good Gene Segura who they got from the Mariners he's very good Bryce Harper we know uh Rice Hunt um Rice Hoskins excuse me the first baseman he's just he's he's a country boy like that's that's a big boy hitting the ball JT Romuto, Andrew McCutcheon, um, uh, Herrera in center field, uh, Mikel Franco at third base. Their pitching staff's good. Aaron Nola, I mean, he was pretty much, he came in third in the Cy Young. If if Jacob deGrom didn't have a a historic year, he likely could have possibly won the Cy Young last year. Jake Arrieta, um, they got David Robinson to close. And they could, who knows, jump in and get Keuchel if they really wanted to set themselves apart. So, I mean, there's a lot of strong offenses in the National League East. Um, even with the Marlins, Neil Walker, while he's not what he used to be, I mean, he still gets big hits. Um, Starling Castro still gets hits. The Marlins are going to be a terrible team. So, But even with that said, this uh, National League East, I think, is the best division, top to bottom. Um, the American League East is a close but the Blue Jays are still not there yet. The Orioles are very are are just as bad as the Marlins, and the Rays they get it done every year. And they're going to do this new thing where they use openers instead of closers, where it's going to be a relief pitcher starting the game, because they really have three three starters: Charlie Morton, um, uh, Blake Snell, who was the Cy Young Award winner for the American League last year, um. And who's the other one? Let me pull up his name real quick because I want to know. Uh, Tyler Glass now. Uh, so those are three actual starting pitchers. The rest of it is just going to be a bullpen by committee because this is what the Rays do. And they do have a a good enough offense to possibly win some games. Tommy Pham out in left field. Um, Garcia at DH. Um, uh, uh, I, always, I can't pronounce the outfielders. Meyer. Kiermaier in center field. He was an all-star, if I remember correctly. So, it, but I think with what the National League East has, which the the Braves' uh, offense is scary, and and that's coming to me from me as a Met fan. Um, top to bottom, I can't point to one who doesn't just kill the Mets. 
constantly. Freddie Freeman is a Met killer. Josh Donaldson at third base is, I think he's going to have a good year. Ender Encarnacion, um, uh, uh, yeah, in Ciarte, I'm sorry. Ender Ciarte, Dansby Swanson, just so many names, Nick Markpakis, and Acuna Jr. I mean, he's he's another one of these future players that are going to be great. That's very scary. Their their starting rotation is is their weak point. I think they have a good bullpen, a lot of flamethrowers, but their their starting pitching is a little weak. Um, the same thing, you know. Nationals have a very good starting rotation: Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Annabelle Sanchez, Jeremy Jeremy Hickelson, uh Hellickson, he's still in the league. I can't believe it. Uh, but their bullpen is weak. And the loss of Harper is a big drop-off. And Ryan Zimmerman's not getting younger. Although Juan Soto is very good. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the Phillies. And the Mets' biggest strength is their starting rotation. DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats, if, you know, if he can stay consistent. And Jason Vargas, if he can do anything. And I really hope that they're not lying to <laughs> any of us. Um, any of us Met fans when they say that uh, you know Jason Vargas is going to have a bounce-back year. And their bullpen is really good. I think the bullpen the Mets have is... Um, it's between the Phillies. It really, it just feels like it's going to be, be between the Phillies and the Mets for the National League East with the with the Braves hanging around too. Um, but I, I mean, as a Met fan, I knew Todd Frazier would not stay healthy. And I, I didn't realize Jed Lowry would be injured as well to start the season. But this opens up. I give Brody Van Wettering their, um, their new GM, first-time GM, a lot of credit because he just picked up as many players as he could to compete for the infield. And that worked out well because it's just depth, pure, unadulterated depth. Frazier goes down, which I figured was going to happen. Lowry going down, that was a bit more surprising. But because of that, there's that means that <laughs> Jeff McNeil, who really, he earned his way after his performance in, in um, coming up last year from the minor leagues in in uh, in the majors, he deserved a chance to hold on to that third base spot. Well, here's his chance. He's pretty much going to start the season. Um. Uh, in if not at third base, then at least in the starting lineup. Um, I know Frazier. He's going to be a while, but and Lowry's. I don't think going to be ready for opening day. So McNeil's probably going to start at third base. And then there's also, I mean, uh, when it rains, it pours because. The Mets' two first basemen, Dominic Smith and Peter Alonzo, both homegrown talent, are now here, and they are playing unbelievable in spring training. Like, both have pretty much a 400 average. You know, I I mean, uh, they're ready. They're both ready, and they're both going to be up, and it's just who's going to play where. Well, if these injuries stay the way they are, and Cespedes, who, even though his surgeries are done and he's... I mean, he's throwing the ball, but he, he can't run yet. I mean, he's he's not going to be ready until mid the middle of summer. So then that leaves, hey, maybe Alonzo can play the outfield. Dominic Smith played the outfield. It's just going to be a rotating, you know, outfield. 
And also, it seems like a rotating infield. Peter Alonso is not a very good defensive first baseman, which, to be fair, I mean, how good of a defenseman, defensive first baseman do you need to be? I mean, yes, Freddie Freeman is a really good defensive first baseman. And if you're a bat, that's, that's, <laughs> that's where they put older players. Oh, he can play first base now. You know, Buster Posey is, is a good catcher, but he's getting older, so he's going to play a lot of first base. So I don't know how really, and also the offense that Alonzo can, his offense can counteract any defense deficient, defi- defensive deficiency, excuse me, first day with my new lips, that he has. Um. So it'll be really interesting. I'm very excited for this season as a Met fan. There's a lot going in my favor. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, speaking of baseball, I'm actually going to put my uh, money where my mouth is. Um, so, you know, running a sports podcast, especially an amateur one like this, you know, who am I to say this look I, I i've never claimed myself to be anything great i'm just somebody who likes to talk about sports and talk with people about sports but this year i will be coaching uh, a t-ball t-ball team um and i'm actually going to be i wanted the mets but uh somebody had chosen it before me so i'm going to be the a's the athletics uh, green and yellow which is very you know, it's different because so many teams have red or blue or especially red. Red's the most popular color, it seems like, between not only Major League Baseball, but then you've got the licensed uniforms, you know, the, the shirt with the same logo and the hat. I mean, so many reds. So, so, you know, Red Sox, Reds, Cardinals, I mean, just go on down the line. So, hey, Oakland, it's green. The A's, yellow, green and yellow. It's very nice. Um, so I'll be t- coaching T-ball. I say put my money where my mouth is, quite literally, because, you know, it's a volunteer position. Moving on to football, um, and the free agency uh, period has started, but even before that, we got some fun trades, that's for sure. Antonio Brown, he let himself be known, He and he finally got moved. It, it was originally going to be traded to Buffalo, but then he told Buffalo, look, I am not, you're not gonna I'm not gonna stay there. You're not gonna sign me for the money I want and I don't want to be in Buffalo. So that trade didn't that trade fell through. And then the question was who who's gonna take him? Well, it turns out the Raiders. Um Oakland has decided to open up the purse strings a little bit. So not only is he was he traded, but he also got signed uh to a or he also got um got some money too. Um, there's no specifics to that, um, in terms of what it, cause it's going to be, but they signed into, uh, they traded for Antonio Brown and remember they got a lot of draft picks, did the Raiders from all their trades, um, trading both, not, was it Jones? Why, I, why can't I remember? Anyway, the old Alabama wide receiver who's now, he's now with Dallas Cooper, Cooper, Amari Cooper, and the trading, of course, Khalil Mack, they gave up a, yeah. a second no a third round pick and you know like a late a very very late round pick two picks in this year's draft to Pittsburgh for Brown they also signed a uh, Tyrell Williams from the Chargers um and also a uh, Trent Brown the offen- uh, offensive tackle 
from New England. So now this offense is starting to is starting to perk up a little bit in terms of you know for the Raiders, and it's exactly what you know, what um, Gruden was signed to be, and he also made the deals his way, and so and they've still got a couple of good draft picks in this upcoming draft and, and future drafts too. So he's gone, or is uh, Brown from Oakland, and that or to Oakland, and that was the trade. And then the the signing period signed, and uh, I'm very proud as a Jet fan. I was not very proud when uh, I heard Gaze was the coach. Got very nervous, and I'm still nervous. But I will say, McCagnin realizes, hey, this is my this is our chance, and they had a lot of room on the. Um, they had a lot of cap space. So now it's time to use it. So you signed J- uh, Jamison Crowder from Washington, good complementary wide receiver with uh, uh, Quincy Nunwa and Robbie Anderson. Assuming Robbie Anderson isn't you know, sent to prison or something, I don't know. Because he, he, he needs to relax. Um, and then, of course, uh, also on the offensive side of the ball, Le'Veon Bell. The Jets actually got Le'Veon Bell, which I was not sure about. Because I, I feel like that offensive line needs to be stronger if you're going to. But then again, it's something to. It's somebody who Sam Darnold can trust. Because Le'Veon Bell is. I mean, he's a very impressive player. And he's capable of so much. And he can help out Darnold. And plus, he had a, a year off. He took a year off so he can get him. He got, hopefully got himself right. And they also spent money on the defensive side of the ball. C.J. Mosley from Baltimore, uh, which I was very happy to see. They also um, they almost signed Anthony Barr, the linebacker from Minnesota, but he had a change of heart. Fine, okay. It still means that they're probably going to draft somebody um, with the sixth pick at a you know like a defensive end or somebody. I hear um, was it Josh Allen? I think the Kentucky. Um, Kentucky defense uh, pat, uh, edge rusher, I think that I heard. They might do that. I don't know. We'll see. But they also did shore up the offensive line um, from Oakland. I cannot pronounce his name, so I'm not going to um, disrespect him by saying he. I cannot. I, I can't. But they signed him, so that'll help out. That also made me feel a little bit better with the signing of Bell. And look, for Bell, four years, $52 million, that's not terrible. That's 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 really not, and there's still there's still a lot of money left, you know. Now that Barr didn't get signed, that means that they can use that money a little bit more. Um, the Giants, however, um, I know a lot of Giant fans are not very proud. You know, it's funny now the the script has flipped. the The Jets are right now, or at least are getting the better of the press in New York, but the New York Giants, very surprising. Well, first of all, they got rid of uh, Olivia, uh, they got rid of Vernon, and they sent him to Cleveland for uh, a guard, uh, Zettler. Zettler? Um, So he's going to come in and be an offensive lineman for them, uh, for the Giants, which, okay, so that means that you're going to, you know, Barkley is there, and you want to give Eli as much protection as possible. And they lost uh, Landon Collins, 
their star safety to the Redskins, so he stays in the division. But then they go and trade Odell Beckham Jr. to Cleveland for Jabril Peppers' safety. So they got they got Peppers to replace Collins. They got two draft picks, uh, the 17th and the 95th, which don't forget the Browns have a lot of other picks in the first round. So the fact that they only got the 17th is very surprising. And now... So, I mean, that's three players right there, potentially a fourth with the money they're saving from Beckham. But, I, I you know, I've, and I've talked about this in the past. Beckham was the new version of Shockey. I mean, Shockey, when he was with the Giants here in New York, he thought himself the greatest. He mouthed off. Um, he thought he was better than everybody, and he didn't care. He cared about only himself. You know, and he ran himself out of town. He went and he got humbled. He also got a ring with the Saints, but he got humbled once he left New York. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be the same, nor am I, am I saying that Beckham was exactly the same way, but just the foolishness, the the silliness. And it all ties back to, I mean, it all ties back to that boat trip. I mean, that's that's a turning point in, in the Giants' Um. Uh, current current situation. After that, don't forget they lost the play. They were eleven and five. Had a great defense. Lost to the Packers in Green Bay. And since then, it just has that one playoff game for Beckham. I think one playoff game, and it just has not worked out for the Giants. And also getting rid of the way that Coughlin got um, taken out was not helpful. I mean, even though he was older and probably sure coaching might have passed him by slightly, but look, he turned around Jacksonville for at least one season and he's still, he's still doing it. They signed Nick Foles. They got rid of Bortles, you know, they had to get rid of some of their defensive players and it's just not working at Carlos Hyde. They'd made a trade for Carlos Hyde and then they just cut him, and they gave up a, a couple, a couple of draft picks, I think for Carlos Hyde. So it's just, it, for the Giants, what we're looking at now is a rebuild, but a slightly embarrassing one. And I think Beckham will see how he does in Cleveland. I mean, right now Cleveland looks like they sh- they should win the AFC North. I mean, the st- we you know it's funny the Giants have taken a step back, the Steelers have taken a big step back. Brown and Bell are both gone which we kind of figured the defense did not get any better. They also lost Jesse James at tight end. I think this is the end, at least in the current iteration of Roethlisberger and Tomlin for the Steelers. And I think with the Giants, look, if Beckham can right himself or at least be productive and not have a diva quality to him and give himself over to the team mentality, you know, in Oakland, or not Oakland, Cleveland, if it does humble him, good for him. And then I hope that he does get what Shockey got, which is a ring in Cleveland for the Browns. That'd be great. But just like with Harvey and and like the aforementioned Shockey, New York is not for everybody. It can build you up and then it can it can it can spit you out. 
And for Beckham, I think he got too lost in it. And I uh, continued success for him, but it just it wasn't going to work out with the Giants. Um, and I don't know what the Giants... I mean, look, the Giants have Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, so they've got plenty of weapons offensively to go with Barkley. So we'll see who they sign and who they draft, too, because I think that's going to be a big deal, too. It's going to be a big part of it. Um... Yeah, you know, not much. I mean, there's there's a bunch of other ones, uh, a bunch of other big signings. Um, Honey Badger goes to uh, the Chiefs, so he helps their secondary. But the Chiefs also got rid of D Ford and um, Eric Berry, and uh, did they get rid of Houston too? Um, let me double check that real quick. Um, no, they kept on to him. So then, so there's that. And then you go over, I want to go quickly go over to the NBA for a few minutes. Um, I saw, I saw an interest. I saw a funny meme. It's, um, you know, what, what playoff, what, uh, what was it? What playoff spot are the, uh, the Lakers in? And it's from, uh, the press conference where James and the Heat said, we're not going to win just one, not two, not three, not four. Keep going down the list because they are out of the playoffs. I think they're, you know, in in ninth place, tenth place in the uh, in the Western Conference. They're not making the playoffs. I think this is one too many times that he he moved on. One too many times that he he thought he could take his fortune, take his talents somewhere else. He wanted to go to L.A. That's fine, but L.A. wasn't ready for you, and L.A. L.A. could not have been. Ter- that is a much much tougher division or conference than the East. Look, if he was still in Cleveland, there's no guarantee that they'd be the one seed, but they'd be in the playoffs, and that's all you need to do. But this Western Conference is way too strong, way too strong, because they were dealing with other teams before you got there. They were dealing with the Rockets and the Thunder when Harden was still, or and when Durant was still in uh, Oklahoma City, and, of course, the Warriors, and just go on down the list. So you go in... You know, LeBron going to uh, the Lakers was not going to be a cure-all. And especially when Anthony Davis screwed up his position by demanding he goes to the Lakers, well, no, that's not going to happen now. You know, or at least not this way. And he's probably going to go to the East. So now the East is starting to get stronger too. But boy, I tell you what, uh, Milwaukee looking so strong as the one seed, it looks like. And good for them. You know, if Milwaukee can make it to the... uh, the finals that'd be great and that'd be great for uh for the greek freak too but no big mistake i think big mistake by james he's not going to admit it uh, but i think people are just realizing oh yeah this was not the right thing to do um and then so very soon so right now the um the tournaments are going on for the uh for ncaa um, we've got a lot of, you know, the tournament is The brackets are going to are coming and the brackets are going to be set on Sunday on St. Patrick's day, if I remember correctly. And so we've got a lot of, we've got all the tournaments going on. I know the big thing right now is that Virginia lost Virginia losing in the, uh, in their tournament. And so now. 
Uh, they, they lost to uh, Florida State, sixty-nine to fifty-nine. So that's uh, that. That might hurt them as a one seed in one of the regions. But what, that'll be that'll remain. That is remain to be seen. Pardon myself. Um, and I also know that I mean Duke and North Carolina are going off right now. Zion Williams apparently is so good his shoes can't contain him. Of course he. Uh, he uh, he busted it out of his shoe. Very impressive feat of strength. It's like hitting the cover off of a baseball. And it actually opened up North Carolina to you know take the series, I believe, from Duke, if I remember correctly. So it gave them a step up over Duke. But we'll see how much of that injury because he was out for though he was out for for a little while. Was uh, Zion Williamson also screwed up? I think what people thought would happen to his future in the NBA. Going back to the NBA real quick, and speaking of Williamson, because the idea that the the Knicks are going to get Williamson, it's quite possible, but they might only get Williamson. Durant, after, just for a lot of reasons, I mean, the Dolans have screwed up running the Knicks, and I think that the Knicks, like the NBA has just passed sort of the Knicks by. Like, now it's not cool to be in New York. Like, LeBron, yeah, he went to L.A., but as we see, just going to L.A. doesn't immediately mean that everybody's going to follow you, too. You know, the fact that he went to the Heat in the first place in Miami. You know, Boston, it it seems like they can outlast any super team team up elsewhere. They're always going to be a destination, the Celtics. The Knicks, the Bulls, I mean, teams that teams that are on the tip of people's tongues, just they get ignored. And I think the same is going to happen. And I think Dolan over, overstepping his bounds and just, you know, banning people who say sell the team to you and to have that released and leaked online, just embarrassing for him as it's always been is not a good look. And that's going to want to keep people away. Durant's going to not want to... Why would Durant go there? Why? Just because it's a quicker it's a quicker route to the finals? Okay. Irving's not... Durant's not going to go. I don't think Irving's going to go. I think he kind of likes it in Boston. And again, Boston is... 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 They're bulletproof. They will survive anything. And even if Williamson goes to the next I just don't think it's going to work out for them either so you know shame on you know sad for the Knicks but I mean there's so many other franchises in the NBA I quite honestly I'd be in favor of um, uh, reducing some of the teams in the NBA or at least creating some sort of secondary sort of like what they do with soccer where it's like the lower tiers sounds silly but you can do it I mean what, 11 players on a roster, five five on the court at a time. It's very possible. And there's so many talented players in basketball. You can fill it. You can fill up leagues very easily. I mean, there's there's always been leagues. Don't forget the ABA for quite some time. There's a reason why they got uh, pulled into the NBA. So... A lot remains to be seen. But opening day coming soon. And we will be recording live, or at least recording live, from City Field as 
per tradition. So, um, so thank you again for listening. No, it's been a little while. Oh, uh, very quickly on the uh, AAF, the uh, Alliance of American Football. Um, I, I, I do enjoy it. It's pretty good. Um, although I feel very bad, very badly for Christian Hackenberg. I mean, the, the poor guy can't do anything right, and he gets benched after three games. But the uh, Orlando Apollos, uh, being run by um, the old ball coach Steve Spurrier, five and zero, and they're doing. I mean, yeah, they was it. The, so I guess they, so they have like like point differential seventy two, which is very impressive. I mean, the next highest is twenty seven. To put into perspective, there were four teams under, you know, with negative point differentials. So, but it's good. And look, Trent Richardson's actually scoring touchdowns. He's actually competent here with the Birmingham Iron. So, it's entertaining. Look, it's the first year. Give it some time. Who knows what the future will hold. So, all right. Thank you very much for listening. See you soon. Andrew, take it away. This has been another episode of Everyman Sports. The show's music is Cold Funk by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under CC Attribution 3.0. Everyman Sports can be found on Facebook.com, where you can like it to receive updates and news. Visit Everyman Sports in the iTunes Store to leave a review of the show. Also, visit everymansports.podbean.com directly to comment and support. Everyman Sports can be contacted directly at everymansports at gmail.com.